Joyce was just run out of her own home by a Demogorgon that literally came through her wall. You know, they really should have told her about that when they sold her the house. I know. Yeah. Really, that's false advertising. Really. Honestly, she could probably sue. <laughs> probably. Hello and welcome to our Stranger Things podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 23-year-old actor and filmmaker, although by the time this goes out, I will be 24. Oh, hell yeah. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge grabbing details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. Um, my best excuse to leave somewhere, I feel like I had more excuses when I was, like, in high school, but now I don't really deny myself, um, joy mm -hmm. as much. Mm -hmm. uh, so, <laughs> now... Normally, my excuse to leave somewhere is, I'm tired, or I don't want to be here anymore. Uh, so then I leave. And I can attest that to be true, because we live in the same house. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And my name is Brittany Ray. I am a 29-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Appertania, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And my excuse is honestly, like, it's either I gotta go because, like, I'm tired, mm -hmm. or, oh my god, I'm so sorry. It's just, I think I need to go feed my cat. And it's like, I fully fed him before I left, but I can feed him again. Yeah. <laughs> he always needs food. He always needs food. Um, and we are so honored to get to have our good friend, honorary aficionado, Sam, here on this episode with us once again. Sam. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 26-year-old writer and marketing coordinator in sunny pre-apocalyptic Washington, D.C. I'm a senior writer and the social media specialist for Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at SamKCC, where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. My best excuse to leave somewhere is usually, like, pretending that I need to sleep and then going home and not going to sleep for mm. multiple hours. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, guys, I'm so sorry. I, yeah. I'm so tired. Yeah, I, I just, I have a really early start tomorrow. Uh, so I really need to get in bed and do nothing for the next four hours because mm -hmm. I need to do nothing before I fall asleep. Thanks. I need to get in bed and That's then text my girlfriend and so talk, relatable. <laughs> talk to her about how tired I am while I don't sleep. Literally, yeah. you saying, I have to do nothing before I can sleep is like such a mood. It's just the life I live. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like I have to prepare myself to rest by resting. Yes. I that's it's alone time it's downtime mm -hmm. yeah. I do that every night today we have words to say about episode 103 of Stranger Things Holly Jolly and this episode will contain spoilers for the entirety of seasons one and two of Stranger Things so uh watch those and then come back yeah yeah um, otherwise get out of here yeah so uh for the title uh Holly is obviously this is probably the episode that she is the most prevalent in Holly Mike's little sister yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um also Holly Jolly Christmas it's when all the Christmas lights go up also a fun fact about it is that it is the only episode of the first season to not have the title of the episode start with the word the huh oh my god I never noticed that I didn't realize yeah. that because there I think it's like it happens a lot like there's like I know in season two Mad Max doesn't have a the but like most of them have thes and and if you look at the season three episode list too there are a lot of thes I think maybe because they're like supposed to be like more adventure type Mm -hmm. So, like, the gives it a bit more of a bigger space to go. Right. I don't know. And it fits with sort of, like, Nancy Drew and, like, Magic Treehouse and, like, those style of books that we right. all kind of grew up on. Or It's, like, the mystery of this and, right. like, the exploding whatever and, like, things like that. Right. Like, even Harry Potter, it's Harry Potter and the yeah. blank. Like, the is always... It, it makes it seem more, um... Official. It's like a solid yeah. fictional title trend. Yeah. But also, what the hell is the Magic Treehouse? <gasps> You've never heard of the Magic Treehouse? You didn't read Magic Treehouse? I feel like maybe I did, but I don't 100%. Oh, Magic Treehouse is like, like, 
Magic Treehouse was like my transition to Doctor Who. Oh! Basically, they go up into the treehouse and then they go, then they. Usually, it's usually the past. It's almost always the past that they go to. And then it's like, basically, um, they're teaching you history by making you read books. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of genius. Dinosaurs Before Dark, Christmas in Camelot. Yeah, they would always go to the past and they would come out and then, uh, yeah, I think, I know that I read one about, like, the the railroads and prohibition and stuff like that. I remember reading- Summer of yeah. the sea, sea Serpent. Yeah. Night of the Ninjas. They're trying uh, to teach us afternoon stuff. Afternoon on the Amazon. And I and I learned. Classics. I feel like none of this sounds familiar to me, but I'm in, interested in it. Yeah. It was basically my primer to Doctor Who. I've never seen that I remember before. seeing Doctor Who the first time and being like, oh, it's like... The Magic Tree House. <laughs> it's like the Magic, the Magic Tree, tree house. house, except that this came way before. Yeah. And it, it's also kind of like Magic School Bus adjacent, mm-hmm. but it's just like two kids. Yeah, they're siblings, I think. Yeah, yeah. We have some thoughts from listeners, which is exciting. I love those. Um, So, our friend King's Token was talking to us about the. I think they were asking, do you know the uh, Hopper is Jonathan's real dad theory? And I was like, I feel like I have heard it. Please tell me the details. And this is what they said. Hopper and Joy slept together. He went away to Vietnam and then she married Lonnie, but she was already pregnant with Jonathan. Funny thing, I tried to Google a source for you and there was also a Hopper is Will's dad theory as well. So I guess nobody wants these kids to be Lonnie's. <laughs> okay, but like true. Same. Like, fair enough. Now, maybe you guys can remind me, but like, did Hopper ever say that he went... To, that he went to war? Or is that just like part of the theory? Oh. I, I don't remember. I don't remember Hopper that. ever serving. It was that he was a cop in like the big city. Yeah. Not that. I wonder. But like it would make sense for him to get a big city cop job if he was like a distinguished. Yes. Army person. Yes. Also Vietnam would have been around the right time. Yeah. Let me just check his. Uh, for like Stranger Things the, wiki page here. Like, That's kind of blowing my mind. Like, for when the kids would have been born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, here we go. Heck yeah. Okay. Jim Hopper attended school with Joyce Byers and Bob Newby in Hawkins. And Lonnie, we're assuming. Uh, Hopper hints that he wasn't exactly the model student while in high school. On at least one occasion, he lied to his mother about his whereabouts so he could secretly hook up with girls such as Chrissy Carpenter. (laughs) Storage boxes kept at the cabin of Hopper's grandfather indicate that Jim served in the Vietnam War and that he also spent some time in New York. Okay. So that's where he was a big city cop, not just like... I feel like I did not pay enough attention a to that one in Indiana. I episode where they went through the the like little cabin thing. Yeah, I barely remember that. That's some details I missed, son. But also, like, we watched that whole season while at Disney World, so there was just like a oh, lot yeah. going on at the time. <laughs> we did that real fast. Yeah, we did. So yeah, how do you guys feel about the Hopper is blanks father theories? Um, eh. I don't care for Jonathan that much. Mm. So uh, I feel like he would be a better person if Jim had known. Mm. That he was his dad and uh, been around. But also, um, I don't know. I like the theory for, like, fanfic. I don't like the theory for... Canon. Canon. Exactly. Okay. Because then there's just, like, a whole... It it gets too Riverdale. Mm. Yeah. That's fair. And I'm still committed to my um, headcanon about them only ever being friends in high school. Mm. Mm. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, and then our friend Joanna also got back to us at Veridissima. Um, Hi! She's so nice. I wanted to say I love the theory that Hopper and Joyce were friends in school and that will only turn romantic in the future, which is what you were just saying, um, Sam. Mm-hmm. I just love adult ships, and while I do enjoy h- lost loves, 
lost high school loves. I think I prefer this way. I think my favorite thing about Cabby is that them being together never cheapens Abby's marriage. While I feel that's from the hundred. Exactly. Um, while I feel with the Riverdale ships and the fact that all the parents dated before getting together now makes it feel like their marriages were failures and mistakes. And I know some spouses turned out not good people, including Joyce's husband, but I like being able to see both relationships as different entities, like I'm able to do with Abby and Jake and Abby and Marcus. Exactly. Yeah. And like, then you can enjoy both and like, you don't have to have like, you don't have to think that Abby had like a bad life or a bad marriage for her relationship to be enjoyable now. Like she had a good and happy marriage for the 20 years or whatever that they were married. And now she has a- another good and happy marriage. <laughs> Which I just decided. Me. Spoilers. Me. Aggressively happy, Brittany. Depression. (laughs) That's our whole relationship. Thanks. Um, (laughs) But like with this one, it's interesting because we know that Joyce was not in a happy marriage. Mm -hmm. That's true. So it's sort of a different situation here where it's like, it doesn't take much to infer that, yeah, she wasn't um, the happiest person while married, but- I do think, like, the whole theory does cheapen, like, I don't know, it just adds a level of melodrama to stuff that I'm not into. Like, I I would absolutely 100% read the fanfic where it's, like, all super angsty and, like, mm. very much um, FP and Alice energy where they have, like, secret kid. From Riverdale. Yeah. But I feel like, th- I feel like it's too much for the show. Mm. And I, I just want, like, it's too angsty, I feel, for a show that's already, like, super angsty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a show um, with uh, kids that are frequently injured. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, uh, they have enough drama to worry about externally. I So I want for Joyce and Hopper, when they eventually do get together, for that to be free of, like, trauma, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Also, I like that we refer to Jopper as, like, something that's just, like, it's definitely gonna happen. Oh, like, if it doesn't, hello. if it doesn't, then I'm confused. Yeah, yeah. I feel it, a little bit like baited if, right. if it doesn't. Like it just feels like destined to be in game. You know what I mean? I love that for that. You know what I mean? Should we get started then? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're starting with the teen storyline, which is what we have been doing recently. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're going to do that again. On trend. Um, Here is my uh, recap. Nancy and Steve do the do while Barb is literally being murdered in another dimension. So fun. When Nancy gets home, she doesn't tell her mom what happened. Tell Karen the truth challenge. <laughs> at school the next day, Barb's missing. Nancy calls Barb's mom, finds her car, looks for her at Steve's, but she's nowhere to be found. Meanwhile, Steve and Co. find out about Jonathan's creepy pictures and break his camera. Kind of deserved. <laughs> Kobe wants to be part of the podcast so bad. He's like, hello. Hello, I have thoughts to say. For context, my cat is trying to jump on the back of the couch, and Robin, without looking up from her screen, just stuck her hand down the side and kind of started waving it to try and bat him away. <laughs> so creepy yeah. camera. Okay, yeah, so meanwhile, Steve and Co. find out about Jonathan's creepy pictures and break his camera kind of deserved, which I'm really excited to have that conversation when we get there. Yes. Um, okay, so Barb is dead. What? Like, oh. if I w- if, if, if this was coming out episode by episode, I would be sitting here being like, is Barb dead? Will we see Barb again? But like, n- having seen literally both seasons that mm-hmm. are available so far. She's dead, Jim. Barb fully died yep. here. Um, she died real quick. And she's still in the pool. So that, that helps us really understand that this is literally an exact replica of Hawkins that the Upside Down is. Yeah. Like, you know, knowing that Will is inside of the crawl space that his mom, that Joyce goes to sit inside, mm-hmm. and knowing that Barb is literally in the pool that mm-hmm. she got went missing in. Like, when I saw that scary. for the first time, like, 
I think we see the the true upside down like this is the first time we yeah. are actually in the upside down. Exactly. Right? And so the like first the time. first time I saw that like I was watching with my cousin and we were like we were both sitting there and like we sat there for a bit like going through all of the sci-fi tropes that we knew to be like okay so what is this is it an alternate dimension mm-hmm. is it like some kind of like like purgatory is it hell like that was like the most fun thing was theorizing what the upside down was yeah. while it was airing and we still don't even really know I'm yeah still that's waiting true they're like out. we're still kind of clueless yeah like it's clear that it is probably like an alternate dimension that that the portals to is like specifically in this town yeah. or whatever like shadow dimension yeah exactly yeah um but but we definitely don't know all the details no yet like why is it happening why are these monsters well I guess it's happening because of the scientists who are like, yeah, they opened, they the- found an entry point, and they're like, hmm, let's poke this for science. And I'm like, maybe not, maybe not. So we know that the main—I keep using the word portal, but I can't think of a better word for it. But the main portal to the upside down is in this forest that is right by Steve's house and right by Will's house. What? That's I not thought the, the main, main portal, portal was the main at the, el- the electrical lab. Yeah. Oh yeah, but like the I mean I guess secondary main one because that's where people keep going missing over by this forest. Oh, it yeah, does yeah, yeah. it does have yeah, for season 1 the forest is yeah. the biggest um yes. sort of besides the lab, the biggest location for like a, them to like bend reality. In. Yeah, like a naturally occurring place as opposed to the lab which is artificial. Cuz like the woods are kind of already a liminal space. Mm-hmm. So exactly, it allows, and there's like shadows and stuff because of the trees, and it's a naturally like kind of spoopy. Oh, mm-hmm. Interesting. Thing. So you think that that the more shadows there are, the more strong the shadow world is. I just think that like places that are sort of defined as liminal spaces or like just outside of the regular realm of reality or like regularly trafficked places gas stations like like it's kind of like the theory of the if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it does it make a sound yeah so if a if a demogorgon escapes from the upside down and no one's around to see it it can just do that i don't know You kind of already did, but for anybody who doesn't know what a liminal space is, would you be able to explain it? It's hard to explain. It's one of those words. Can you give... But but there are a lot of examples. So if you give the examples, lots of people will know what it means. So like gas stations, airports. Airports, for sure. Abandoned places. They're places Um, where time doesn't seem to behave in a natural manner. Yeah, like you feel out of time in those spaces. And time can either go really, really slow or really, really fast in, in them. And it's sort of, it's like amusement parks after they've closed or... Places where it feels just vaguely eerie. Like you're not supposed to be there, even though it's fine for you to be there. Yeah. So like airports and like amusement parks where that have closed and like abandoned places, it's places that you are in a space, not necessarily for the forest, but like somewhere that where there's supposed to be lots of people. Mm -hmm. And if there aren't a lot of people, yeah. So the actual definition of liminal, which I use this word more than I should for someone who didn't actually look at the definition. Um, I feel like I learn words and then just use them without, like, actually looking them up. Um, Same. <laughs> just recklessly. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, the actual definition of liminal actually really works well for this because uh, first, the first definition is relating to a transitional or initial stage of a process, but the second is occupying a position at or on both sides of a boundary or threshold. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So, yeah. oh right, liminal space is the thin places between realities. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's that's like, like kind of the perfect word yeah. to use. Okay. Another big question then is that we know that 
the Demogorgon has taken Will, has taken Barb, tries to take Holly. What a jerk. And so kind selfish. of last episode tries to take, or and this episode tries to take Joyce? Or is he only taking Joyce because Will is around there? I think he's not trying to take Joyce. I think he's trying to hurt Joyce. I think he's looking for Will. Yeah, because Joyce is, like, interrupting the natural order of how it's supposed to be in there. Yes. Um, and Barb was taken because of the blood. We don't know why Holly was taken other than she's just, like, around there. Like, is it specifically children that, that are more susceptible? susceptible to being pulled into this other realm? Huh. It might be. Well, I mean, but Barb's not exactly children. She's under 18. She's not Joyce. And Joyce is the other person who's, like, real close to that. I feel like- Doesn't seem to be taking Jonathan- trying to take Jonathan, though. I feel like it's- and Also, Barb was in a really bad space when she was sitting there, too. Like, she was really, um, she was down on herself, mm-hmm. and she was feeling mm-hmm. bad, so, like, that could also maybe have- could be, like, feeding off of negative feelings. Yeah. <gasps> yeah, because maybe it does. Because in season two, it kind of gets those- the like, when the- Upside down infects those two pumpkin patches. Mm. It kind of it fuels, kills it, it all, and it fuels a feud between yeah. those two men, <gasps> those two farmers. Like this is some big Ghostbusters two energy. Yeah, exactly. Sam, you wanted to talk about the music. I love the music. It's so iconic at this point. Yeah, it's like every episode of Stranger Things I think uses music well, and it may be because I'm just a sucker for eighties music that it I feel that it works so well. But I liked the way it played out in both the beginning and the end of this episode. I like the way that it played out in both the beginning and the end of this episode because they really cut it well in the editing between uh, Nancy and Steve and their like subtle radio set the vibe music and then cut it out immediately to intersperse the pieces with Barb getting, you know, murked. Um, <laughs> you know, Rip Barb murked. Period. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, so I thought that was really, like, well done and just perfectly interwoven there. And then the music at the end, pause for me to look up which cover they used. Um, oh, shoot, what did it say? It said Peter Gabriel, originally done by David Bowie. Right. That's why I love it so much, because I love Peter Gabriel. (laughs) That makes perfect sense. So they use a cover of the David Bowie song, Heroes, uh, done by Peter Gabriel, which was not released until 2010, but the original song is an 80s song. And it's a much slower version than the original song, and it builds a lot more like slowly and into where it's going. I think it's more haunting. And it's definitely more haunting. Um, But it's such an interesting juxtaposition of like the haunting version of the cover and then the lyrics over top of the the scene that's happening at the end because the kids have just found out that, well, they've just found um, the fake will corpse so they all think he's dead. And then Joyce was just run out of her own home by a Demogorgon that literally came through her wall. Um, you know, they really should have told her about that when they sold her the house. I know. Yeah. Really, that's false advertising. Really. Honestly, she could probably sue. <laughs> probably. Nancy uh, is in not a good place because she has come to realize that Barb is gone. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan is also not in a good place because he his camera's broken. Um, and everyone's everyone's just in a, like, really devastating place. But the lyrics of this song are supposed to be kind of, like, triumphant and, like... Hopeful. Hopeful, yeah, for sure. And it's kind of this twist where it's, like... Because we know there is still hope because we believe Joyce and we believe Eleven. And we've seen the whole series. Uh, yeah. But... <laughs> At that point, it's just a, it's an interesting mix of the negative feelings and the positive feelings, which I think is really well done through the music. Mm -hmm. Yay! (laughs) 
Thanks. I literally don't have anything to add because, like, it's so insightful. Mm-hmm. It's so insightful. Yeah. Good job. Thanks. I'm a nerd. I love that for you. What? <laughs> I can't date a nerd. I have great news for you. There can't be two nerds. You are also a nerd. What? <laughs> Robin, are you also a nerd? No. Oh, okay. I don't know why I'm hanging out with you guys. Yeah, I don't know why either, but you volunteered to be here, so I use you for your smart thoughts. <laughs> What do you use me for? I meant both of you. Oh, that's nice. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that really struck me this time around was um, how much of a school night it is. Yeah, it's a school night. Like, I knew it was a school night because she literally, like, Karen says, oh, it's a school night, though, so, like, make sure you're... Home by 10. Home by 10. And then, and then, I don't know, it was, like, when she left, it was pretty light outside, and I was like, is it morning already? Did they have a shot of the clock when she left? Oh, P.S. Home by so. 10 is very generous. Like, especially after what's going on. Especially in high school, yeah. I've been, like, home at dark. It seemed, I, I mean, my guess is, like, it was probably, like, 2 or 3 a.m. She probably fell asleep, like... One time... Did you think Nancy fell asleep? One time in high school, I fell asleep yeah. at my friend's house. Like, I was just there watching movies we were literally watching empire records Hmm. and um i fell asleep and and my friend brought me home at three in the morning and i was probably 17 at that point and that's the most trouble i've ever been in in my life wow yeah um and i wasn't even doing anything scandalous i had just fallen asleep on a couch i which is your favorite thing to do it is she's so good at it thank you uh don't think i ever stayed out past curfew when i still had a curfew yeah there was definitely a new year's where i came home at like 4 a.m but I think it was just be back before I'm awake. Was that the, the New rule. Year's where you puked your guts out? Yeah, it sure was. Yeah. yeah, when I was in high school, I didn't stay out very late because I didn't like it. Valid. I just liked to come home, so my I never really had a had a curfew. I wasn't in high school when I did that, by the way. I was definitely well into college. <laughs> the latest I probably stayed out was also 4 a.m. But at that point, I wasn't. I was also in college, and I was in uh, on break as well, so it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of us are losers. Yeah. Fair. Okay. 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 Work. Are you looking up something? I just want to see if there's a shot of like of the clock, bedside clock, or something. Okay. I don't remember seeing one, but I don't either. But like my brain is like, you think there would be? Like that's kind of like the iconic shot that, they, that you always have mm-hmm. when it's just like they woke up from a night of making weird decisions. What? <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? What's gonna happen next? So Karen tries to confront Nancy about this, and neither of her kids will tell her the truth. Yeah, Karen's just doing her best. She sure is. I really feel that from her. I never really, like, cared about Karen uh-huh. when I was watching. Uh-huh. But, like, now that I'm... I mean, I'm not even that much older. How many years has it been since this came out? Like, three? Yeah. But, like, I just, like, respect her. I think she's doing her best, and she's, you know, basically a single mom because Ted doesn't do anything. Yeah. Ted is useless. So... I think... I she has three kids. Yeah. And one of them's, like, still very young... Yeah. And, like, needs attention all the time. And one of them's best friend was, li- like, literally, like, disappeared. And then the other one disappears. Yeah. Like, the amount of stress that Karen is probably under 24-7. And she still found time to visit Joyce. Like, I, during season one, there's not even a clock when she gets home. She's like, I just want to know what time it is. <laughs> and how she got there. Yeah. Um, but... <sighs> In season one, I really liked Karen, even though I felt like she was still underused in season one. Yeah. And then even more so in season two. Agree. But I really liked Karen because she she's, like, a normal, like, solid mom, but she also cares very deeply about her kids. Like, she talks Mike through, like, staying home because he potentially lost his friend and, like, letting him do that and, like, being there for him in, like, the complicated emotions around that. And she tries to talk to Nancy about, like, the complicated emotions around what she's doing 
with her choices and like boys and things like that. And she's like just really there for her kids. She's a good parent. In a way that like parents should be, even when they kind of like brush her off. And it's like, which is like a thing kids do. Like you brush your parents off, but then you, if they're good parents, you also know that they will be there when you're ready to exactly. talk to them. What do you guys think the story is? Because Holly's like, what, three? Yeah. Mike is 10 years older than Holly. What do you think happened there? Is Holly just, uh, just an accidental is Holly pregnancy? Just a, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holly's a surprise baby for sure. Yeah, Holly, Holly feels like a surprise. Holly's like a... 10 year anniversary or I guess 15 at least 15 because yeah. Nancy's got to be like 15 yeah I just dislike Ted so much that I want there to be a scandal here <laughs> really bad yeah um, but then then that would mean that she cheated and that's worse I still want a scandal for the drama of it all all right thanks I well, mean you do love a scandal I we, sure do we get a borderline scandal in season two but god it's not worth it no it's terrible yeah that's not the scandal that we ordered hashtag Delete Billy, please. <laughs> yeah, if you're attached to Billy, this is not the podcast for you. If you're attached to Billy after season two, then what are you doing? I'm really interested. I know this, we're fully not even, we don't even know who Billy is at this point. But I'm really interested in in Billy next season because it's been so many months. Like, I wonder, I would love to see him be reformed. I, I want to see people being able to be redeemed after and, and like learning from their mistakes. I think that's an interesting perspective. If it's a genuine... Yeah. Like, if he actually, like, grows and changes as mm -hmm. a person and doesn't, you know, suck and exist as a horrible, abusive racist, um, <laughs> sure. But also, I would not mind, uh, him getting eaten by something that comes from the Upside Down. So, sure. I would be happy with either. Mm -hmm. But nothing in between, things. Thanks. <laughs> I'm cool with that happening to all white supremacists. Yeah. If you get eaten by a Demogorgon, I don't pity you. If you get eaten by a Demogorgon, you had it coming. I, yeah. To be clear, I don't want them to be like, oh, Billy's okay. You know, we've been through a thing and now we're friends, so it's fine. We'll just forget about everything that he No, did. take like, him on a complex journey. Yeah, I want I want him to go through something and and we see the maybe the beginnings of that with Max at the at the end there. But but that wasn't that wasn't him being like, Oh, now I'm a better person because blah blah blah. Like it was literally just like my stepsister almost castrated me. So now <laughs> I respect her. You know, and that's like not That's not growth. Yeah, it's that's not fear. growth. That's yeah. fear, not That's growth. Fair. Yeah. And it's like in an ideal world, we would see like actual real progress and like people yeah. changing from being shitty. But I'm also like, I don't care enough about Billy to watch that. Mm. So I would rather him just get eaten. <laughs> if he was going to be eaten, I would rather him have been eaten at the end of season two. Because now fair. I'm like, okay, well, why didn't you kill him if he's so garbagey? Right. You know? True. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Okay, one of the main questions we had was, how did Nancy get home? How did she Sam, get home? Literally, we were re-watching this, and Sam at least three different times was like, but how did you get home? Because, okay, so initially her ride was Barb. Yes. We don't have proof that Nancy can drive, like, at any point. Right. She's constantly getting rides from other people. Mm -hmm. So Barb was her ride there. Mm-hmm. She thought Barb left, so if she walked home, would she not have walked by Barb's car? Ooh. There's no way Tommy and Carol got up after- If Steve's not gonna get up and take her home, Tommy and Carol are not gonna get up and take her home. Yeah, especially- they're even worse. Like, they're just yeah. bad people especially in general. Especially after she said, like, hey, Tommy, did you see Barb? Yeah. You know, then that that's clear that she wasn't with Tommy. Yeah, and Tommy and Carol acted like they left at some point also. Yeah. So. Maybe earlier than Nancy did. Yeah. So it's like, how? Because Uber was not a thing. 
No. Uh, and I really doubt Hawkins is big enough for a taxi company to come get her. Right. And if they were, the taxi driver would already know her mother. And, like, how did she not, if she walked through the forest? If she walked, see, see, at first I was thinking, oh, well, she doesn't know anything bad happened to Barb yet, so she could have just walked. Right. But she knows about Will. She knows about exactly. Will. So... Uh, it yeah. seems like she walked, but it seems like Steve lives far enough away for her to want a ride from Barb, so like, I don't know. We don't know. We found a massive plot hole in this episode. <laughs> and it's, how does Nancy get around? Thanks. Yeah. Sam, you wanted to talk about comparing Nancy's post-sex storyline to One Day at a Time. Um, so this is spoilers for One Day at a Time season three, so if you have not gone and watched that, what are you doing with your life? Go do I'm it now. I'm sorry! <laughs> Just go, go skip forward a little bit. So, spoilers for One Day at a Time. So, in One Day at a Time Season 3, Elena and her um, significant other, Sid, decide to uh, have sex for the first time. And it's done really, ex- like, extremely well and extremely respectful. And it's one of the best uh, versions of that storyline I've ever seen on television. Mm-hmm. Because they, first of all, it's a queer relationship, which barely gets any quality representation in the first place, let alone in this respect. And then second of all, it's just done in a way that's completely non-toxic. Uh, so they, the whole thing happens and then her mom finds out about it. And it's also done in a way that her mom doesn't shame her for it at all. Elena doesn't feel any shame about what happened. She has a really good experience. Um, and it's just all very positive. Mm-hmm. The All of the moments around Nancy's day after her first, what I'm assuming is her first time uh having sex is like internal shame for yeah. Nancy. Mm. It's so much internal shame. Like she thinks everyone at school is looking at her. She thinks everyone can tell. She is like very embarrassed when Tommy and Carol uh, are like making fun of her at the table. She doesn't tell her mom. She doesn't tell her mom. Um, even though her mom is like very like understanding. Like you can tell like, me if this is something that's yeah. happening. The person who she probably really wants to talk about it with is Barb. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just very, there's so much shame around it that I feel bad for Nancy and any girl who is even watching that and like considering having sex or has experienced something like that around their first time having sex, which does happen. Like it's another valid representation of a first time, but it's just the complete opposite sort of of what Elena experiences in season three of One Day at a Time. And I think it's, I think One Day at a Time did a great job is all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) I think to speak to Steve though which is going to be part of my good guy Steve is that one of the first thing that Steve does when he sees Nancy in the morning is to make sure that she feels good and she feels secure about her the relation or the experience make sure that she knows that he also had a very good time mm-hmm. and and assures her that he didn't tell anybody about it yeah i do think that the way he reacts when he first sees her in the morning is good and they they just do a, also a good job of showing like the internalized shame and misogyny around women having sex that I feel would probably have been accurate at the time. Mm-hmm. So Steve likes the butterfly stickers in her <laughs> locker. Thanks. Steve likes butterflies. Thanks. Bye. Adorable. Oh, more good guy Steve things that I will talk about, <laughs> I'll talk about later. Robin, do you like Steve? No. No? No. Jonathan's pictures, the blinds were down. Yeah, it's funny because in one picture, the blinds are up because it's like that picture of her back. Mm -hmm. There's no blinds. Yeah. And then the picture where she's facing the window, you can see that there's blinds down, but they're like open. And then... In the entire scene from last on the interior yeah. in the previous episode, the blinds are just down and 
also closed. So um, at Duffer Brothers, what's good? <laughs> Nancy was like, "Let's open this up." I hear, I see, think somebody's trying to. It's like get I a need, photography I need degree. to see my friend uh, who was at the pool still yeah. while we. No, stop it. Um, oh, ew! I totally forgot she'd be like, oh yeah, Barb's out there. Yeah. Barb's missing. Her mom hasn't seen her. Interesting that they got the same actress for <laughs> for the Barb scenes in season two. Yeah. That was cool. Mm. Good continuity. Good job. I wish Nancy had told Barb's mom the truth. Yeah. I wish she yeah. hadn't been like, never mind, Barb is fine. Because now that Barb is actually missing, her mom's gonna have like a- There's gonna be a lot of guilt there. And she's not gonna remember, she's not gonna know what the real story was, so it's gonna be harder to to find her or to figure out exactly what happened. So I wish that she had told her mom. I feel like she does in this same episode though, because Barb's parents are sitting on the couch with Barb and Karen with, with Barb and Karen, with Nancy and Karen when Mike gets home at the end of the episode. They are? I thought that was Ted. No, it's, it's Barb's parents. Oh. Oh. doesn't pay attention. Yeah, neither do I though. I fully thought that was just the wheelers. Um, okay, cool. Well, great. Yeah. I'm glad then. Okay, so now we have this random girl named Nicole who saw um, the pictures that Jonathan took in the in, in the room. I'm like, great, yeah, do that at school. <laughs> sure, I, I mean, I know he doesn't have one at his house, but um, yeah, great, just great, but like, great maybe, decision making. Maybe do it after after, after school. school. Yeah, like um, learn some boundaries. Yeah. Okay, thoughts on them on on the camera getting broken. Support it for it. Happy about it. One of the things yeah. that I wrote down um, that you guys were talking about when we were watching was that Steve doesn't stick around for the showmanship. He's just angry, and it's not. He's not here to embarrass Jonathan. He's just here to punish Jonathan. Yeah, he's here like, hey, um, you did something gross and I would like to get some revenge for this. Mm-hmm. The first time that I watched this scene, like three years ago or whatever, when it initially happened, I did feel pity for Jonathan because like, that's how the narrative sort of frames Yeah, that's how, you wa- that's how you're supposed to yeah, feel. Yeah, like you're supposed to feel bad for him because his brother's missing and he's like, he's poor and he doesn't he's in love with nancy and it's like okay i see that this is some gross nice guy trope though yeah like Like, literally like stop trying to make us feel sympathy when what he did is like legitimately wrong and nasty and like there's a line between i was just looking for my brother and i lingered outside your party and took really creepy (laughs) disgusting photos and he walked right over it (laughs) yeah he sure did Uh, he sure did this a line Goodbye. Yeah. I, oh, I didn't see that there. Yeah. Um, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. And it's just like, ugh, that's, that's not, not okay on any level. And it really violates Nancy's privacy. It mm-hmm. violates Steve's privacy. It violates all of them, really, to take those pictures. And, and then develop them. And then yeah. to develop them. Like, he could have just developed the ones of, like, the woods where he was looking for real and, like, the pictures he was out there to intentionally take in the first place. Yeah. But then he goes and develops the creepy ones, which I get, again, is a narrative for us to link, to get an, a lead on how Barb went missing. Oh, for sure. But it's also disgusting. Yeah. So I don't like it. Like, a couple things can be true. It can be, like, a smart narrative device and still be disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I support Steve breaking the camera because... Honestly, if you're if that's what you're gonna do with your tools, you probably shouldn't have them. You shouldn't have mm. the tools. Confiscate. Yeah, exactly. And and I agree. Uh as soon as Steve drops the camera, he's like, let's go, guys. The game is about to start. He doesn't like stick around. He doesn't break it more than it has already broken. He doesn't scream. Yeah, he, he doesn't, doesn't stomp on it. Yeah. He's just like, this was gross and I just feel like, gross and you made me feel gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, this was uncalled for. Um, here's your here's your punishment. 
from me getting back for being really weird about my girlfriend and also me. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so, bye. Bye. At one point, like, Tommy goes to, I don't, I, it doesn't look like Tommy's gonna punch him or anything, but Tommy goes to, like, kind of, like, manhandle him a little bit, and Steve stops him, right? Steve doesn't want Jonathan to get beat up. Yeah. I know, he kind of tries to beat up Jonathan later, but. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's a different thing. thing. That's a different thing. But, um, yeah, he just, he wants to punish Jonathan the way that he deserves to be punished. There's some complexity here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of the things I really liked about it was that the wind, like, the wind taking away the photos, mm-hmm. obviously, like, such a good touch. It's a device for, I don't know. <laughs> it's a visual device. Yeah. We were saying that this episode is one, is, like, a really beautifully shot, mm-hmm. and this episode is probably one of my favorite episodes of the season. Yes. I agree. Yeah. There's that shot. There's really good transitional shots between the red lights in Hawkins and and lab and then the red lights in Joyce's house mm-hmm. uh there's a good shot of Nancy in the woods where it like sort of spins around behind her and yeah. like you see the sun and then all the transitional shots are done really well it's just a beautifully done episode mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a beautifully done series honestly yeah um one of their teachers is named Mr. Mundy um all I could find about a Mr. Mundy is there's a character in uh Team Fortress 2 which is a comic book series mm. um it looks like he's like a sniper from the australian outback <laughs> i don't know if that's relevant but there you go it might not be relevant but gosh is it interesting <laughs> <laughs> my next note was just tommy and carol are gross and not funny yeah they're, they're not friends. funny no like if you're gonna be gross be funny and steve eventually figures out like like the the worst thing about steve is his friends yeah and when he ditches them, then he can be, like, the good person that we knew he was. Yeah, the, the proper soccer mom. Yeah, exactly. You said, how dare you have standards, Steve? They were yeah. like, ew, why would you date Nancy? She's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, all right. Yeah, Carol goes, that's what you get for dating Miss Perfect. And it's like, I'm sorry, he likes someone who is a good person yeah. and cares about her fam. Like, her, her excuse is literally, like, I promise to go do something with my mom. Mm-hmm. How can you hate on that? Yeah. Like, we can tell that it's a fake excuse and she just had to go. Mm-hmm. But also, she's just ditching a basketball game. Yeah, Like, who cares? the world it's isn't gonna end. It's not that deep, Carol. Yeah. And it's clear, like, we see Billy and Steve playing basketball in, but it really looks like it's just for gym class in season two. But it's, like, clear that Steve isn't playing in this game. Like, it yeah. doesn't, like, what are the no, stakes? No, it's, it's just a school Actually, do we game. even know if it's a basketball game? I just made I don't that know. up. It I could be a football game. You. <laughs> it could also be a football game, so. Either way, it's like, who cares? I don't even like sports. Thanks. Exactly. Either way, really good to shit. But, like, going to games when you're in high school is, like, a very trendy yeah. friend group thing to do. Like, mm-hmm. if all your friends are going to the game, you're going to the game. Right, and then you just talk. Like, yeah, you just talk and eat popcorn. Um, so Nancy goes and she finds Barb's car, which I assume she walked to also. Yeah, I guess Nancy just walks everywhere. I mean, I feel like they don't even have, like, a transit system. It seems to be such a small town, yeah. you know? Like, if you play- <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Did you guys ever- did you guys play the, um, Stranger Things app that came out? No. Last- it was so fun. It was, like, just, like- those old Game Boy games that you played. I, I had such a good time. I played it through twice. Like, nice. I loved it so much. But, you know, you see the map that they give you, and it's an even smaller town than I thought. Oh. Like, it's... If that's canon, and I think you can kind of... You can kind of infer, it, yeah. It, it's, it's pretty right. Like, um, the forest and, like, the buyer's house and the Harrington's house, like, they're all in the right space. So, I guess... 
what I'm trying to say is this is a very small town. To me, and she doesn't even have a bike like like Mike yeah. does, you know? To me. Why doesn't she have a bike? Mm. I feel like she has a bike, she just doesn't use it. It's like, ew, helmet hair. No. Exactly. <laughs> Same though. Hawkins, just the atmosphere in the show has a very similar atmosphere to where I grew up in the high school I went to. Mm. So I feel like I can relate to like the small townness of it. But I also feel like when you're out in a small town like mine, you're also out in the country, so people don't live that close to each other. Right. So I would never have been able to uh, walk. just walk to any of my friends' houses when I was in high school or middle school. Oh, mm. I did that all the time. But you lived in, like, a suburb. Yeah. So, mm. and, like, it looks like Mike does live in a sur- suburb. Yeah, that's Mike the, and Nancy live in a that's suburb. That's the thing, is, like, it looks like they live in a suburb, and the only one who doesn't is... Will and Joyce and yeah, but also Steve doesn't look like he lives in a suburb. Suburb. He looks like he has a big house, but like yeah, he looks like he lives on like an acreage. Yeah. Here you go. Here you go. Here's the. If you guys Google, I just googled and I went on images. Stranger Things app map. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So like, if you look at it like this, I don't know if you guys can see it, but this is Will's house here, right, with the shed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then over here is the that's Steve's house. Okay. So you've got some like forest here, and then um, and then there's like a small town like this. This is the lab. Okay. So it's very close to the forest, and then here's where the this is where the schools are and stuff, okay. and then here's the suburb where there there are like uh, houses. I feel like it's feasible that Nancy could walk to these places. Uh, oh, sorry. And then but that's I also the feel like it's just also unlikely. Like, girl, why'd like, you do that? In reality of my own personal experience of life. I don't know. Yeah. We should pull someone who grew up in the 80s. Do you walk everywhere? <laughs> Let us know. Thanks. Okay, so Nancy goes to Steve's house, just fully breaks into his backyard. Who cares? His parents aren't home. <laughs> um, And she sees, like, we kind of get, like, a little bit of a jump scare, and we see something go across the, st- the screen. Was that the monster or just an animal? I think it was a cat. I, I think it was probably just an animal that kind of spooked her. Because I was under the impression that... Oh, wait. Because we fully see, like, a full-on Demogorgon chapter, or in chapter one, in, like, the very first episode, Will fully sees a full-on Demogorgon. And then, and then when we see the picture that Jonathan took of Barb, there's, like, a Demogorgon behind her. So it's, like... And there, one fully comes out of the wall later in this episode of Joyce. Right. So I feel like he... I feel like we're meant to believe that it is... I, I think we're meant to believe that it could be either way. Okay. Like, if you're Nancy, you're not assuming it's something supernatural yet. Yeah, supernatural. Uh, But, so, it could have very well looked like a large, like a wolf. I feel like she says she saw a bear. Yeah. Which, and then no one, everyone is like, what? Yeah. (laughs) So, I feel like Nancy is currently supposed to believe that it's a bear, but we're like, was that? I emoji, I emoji. Yeah. Nancy finally tells her mom the truth, which is great. Thank Um, goodness. I said, tell Karen the truth challenge, and she took me up on it. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Did you guys have any other thoughts on the teen storyline? Just because of what I know, this just goes back to the shame around Nancy having sex for the first time. Uh, So she tells her mom about Barb, but I don't think she's, I still don't think she tells her about Steve. Mm. Uh, or like at least right. not the whole truth about Steve uh, because then even when they are talking to the police I think in probably the next episode I'm not 100% sure which episode it is this the police kind of make Nancy feel uncomfortable and like question her about why she was there so long and like 
why she changed clothes. And I'm like, that's not relevant. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also stop making her feel awkward about it. I mean, that's... it kind of is relevant, though, because at that point, Nancy could be a suspect. If you change clothes, it's because I you're know. ditching their, your clothes because oh, you murdered someone. Geez. I know, but the way that they do it is not like they're asking. A, that's You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's not like they're asking about her whereabouts in a professional way it's it's very it's done very it's like, much are you to a dumbass kid who it's done very much to make her uncomfortable about her having sex yeah which is like not a thing that people need and if i remember correctly it's like right in front of her mom too, yeah it so is it's like yeah cool so before we move on i have some fun facts that i took from the stranger things wiki as well as the imdb which i found have the coolest fun fact. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, written and directed by Steven Spielberg, tells the story of Roy Neary, an everyday blue-collar worker in Indiana, so there you go, also Indiana, mm-hmm. whose life changes after an encounter with a UFO. When developing the character Joyce, the Duffer Brothers talked a lot about Richard Dreyfus in Close Encounters, because for so much of the show, Winona is entirely on her own, and to the outside world, she seems absolutely bonkers. In Holly Jolly, Joyce tips over the edge and chooses to fully embrace the supernatural happenings in her house as reality, mirroring Roy's own character arc. Honestly, um, that makes stop, perfect sense. Stop isolating Joyce challenge. Mm. But the fact that it was narratively done in the first season, like, on purpose is quite inspired. Yeah, sure, I get it, and I, but I also feel like having her, I think there needs to be a balance of framing her, someone who's actually knows what she's talking about and intelligent, and not always framing her as the crazy mom, because we do, we know she's right, but, like, everyone else is like, you're bananas. So I just want, I just want Joyce to, like, be seen as the capable person that she is who sees things that other people are not seeing and maybe gets taken seriously for once because she's been right for two whole seasons. It's true, she has When a lot of people have been wrong. Like I said before, this is the first episode of the season and of the entire series to feature scenes set within the Upside Down. This is the only episode of the first season in which Ted Wheeler does not appear on screen, so that must be why we like this episode so much. <laughs> I never even noticed that he was really in the He's other episode. He's in every I other know, episode? It's weird. I, I, apparently. That's kind of mind-blowing, because, like, he is a non-entity to me. Yeah. Alright, next. Uh, did you guys know that Holly is played by twins? No, I did not. But uh, that they, makes sense because most children, yeah, uh, under like five, are played by twins. Yeah, because it's like, oh, this one's upset. Bring in the other one. You yeah. know, um, when young Holly Wheeler is drawn to the wall where the monster lurks, it is very similar to Poltergeist, nineteen eighty-two, where Heather O'Rourke's character is drawn to the television. Also, throughout the episode, the way Joyce attempts to communicate with Will through lights and the way she is seen as out of her mind by others is perhaps an homage to uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which. It actually is. Yes. The music playing in the scene near the beginning also resembles the five-note sequence played in the movie. Huh. When Nancy asks her classmate if she has seen Barb, a poster can be seen hanging on the wall of the classroom. The poster has the portrait of Edgar Allan Poe and the word Nevermore in reference to Poe's famous poem, The Raven. This might be a clue that Barb was dead and Nancy would never be able to see her friend Barb again, exactly as the main character of the poem would not be able to see his beloved Lenore again. Which I saw that one and I was like, I saw that poster and I was like, that is... Relevant, and I know it, and I can feel it in my soul. (laughs) Um, While in the library looking for news articles about the government agency, one of the officers shows the chief one about an experiment involving LSD in a patient. This is an homage to Stephen King's novel, Firestarter. Oh. I learned something today. All right. 
Team adults. So I split the adults into Hopper stuff and Joyce's stuff. So starting with Hopper. Hopper finds a way into the laboratory and they fully lie about which tapes they're showing him. They go to the library where Hopper gets roasted by former one night stand Marissa. (laughs) Hopper thinks there's a conspiracy theory about the lab, Mr. Brenner, and some lady named Terry Ives. Powell's not about it. Callahan calls to tell them there's a body found in the quarry and it's Will. Hopper really wanted to find him, so he is sad. Powell calls the lab Emerald City, which is a reference to Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be kind of this like unattainable big thing that nobody ever gets to in. really go to. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my next note is just all encompassing. Hopper is a good cop. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's not like, he is. I love when you t- I love when you just like say accurate and true things. Yeah. Yeah. So they go and look at the tape, but Hopper remembers that it was raining, and on mm. the tape that they were showing, it was not raining, so they are lying. That was such a good plot twist, too. Like, I love little narrative devices like that, Mm -hmm. where it's like, it should be so obvious, but it's not. So when he points it out, you're like, oh my god, was it raining? We should go back and look. Yeah, it was raining. Ah! And you're like, what could this mean? Like, I love little mystery moments like Mm -hmm. that. That's, yes. Um, I also thought of a thing when you said, just said something about Hopper being a good cop. Yeah. I think that another thing he and Joyce have in common in completely different ways is that they're both very good at seeing the big picture Mm. um so she can see the big picture around like the supernatural and like will being missing in ways that nobody else can and hopper notices details and like pulls pieces in from everywhere about this case that he's working Mm. on that the other cops are just like huh didn't see that one like, yeah. oh boy, sure wish I'd been paying attention to that in yeah. cop school. So, like, they complement each other really well in the ways that they see the world and see those big pictures and together create, like, the whole picture with what the other can see. Well, it's very much the Mulder and Scully dynamic. One's the skeptic mm. and one's the believer. Yes, solid. And it's not even to say that, like, and maybe it is to say, but... <laughs> but it's not even necessarily to say that Powell and Callahan aren't good cops. It's right. just that, you know, this is, this, even looking at that little map that they even just gave us on the, the, the game, mm-hmm. it's such a small town. You're like, what? How would you even dream of any of this? A dog went missing one time, you know? Yeah. Like, that's it. That's probably all they thought they were signing up for, you know? They probably yeah. didn't go through the type of training that Hopper did in the big city, right? Exactly. And by them doing that throwaway line last episode, it really makes sense that he's so good at this. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we might be like, why is Hopper so good at this? Yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> okay, so now we have Marissa. Marissa's the librarian, she's a little bit bitter but i want to support marissa yeah because and i don't know i mean i once again wasn't born in the 80s didn't was not alive in the 80s but i assume that it was less common for a woman to be like hey this is a public place and you wronged me and i'm out here practicing this thing that i fully practiced in the shower to your face right now. You're a jerk. True. I want to support her. Thanks. She's spunky. Shout out. She's that classic 80s character. She's yeah. like spunky and she's liberated. Yeah. And she's getting what she wants. And yeah. I'm like, yes, girl. I think my favorite part is like, now if a dude doesn't call you back after he hits it, it's just like, yeah. he's ghosting you. Yeah, like, that's over. just how it is. So Hopper's like, this is what we're looking for. And she's like, cool. Well, this is where you can find it. And he's like, great. So you're going to help? And she's like, ha. Huh. No. no. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm just not going to help you. Imagine being like, hey, so I know we banged and I, like, uh, didn't call you, but can you look through years worth of microfiche with me? No. She's like, no, it's not mm, no. my job. No. It's a small town with a probably fairly small library that is that is also the archives. Like, I was like, 
She's like, I got other things to do. I'm probably one of two people who work here. She's literally working and not for you. Yeah. So also, guys, do it yourself. The world pre-Google was a mess. Ew. Like, I know Google was actually invented for really misogynistic and gross reasons, which is to look at JLo's boobs in her Oscars dress. Mm. But God, imagine going through all of that to look for one thing. Ew. You can't just like hit Google or like command F on a page. Ugh. You have to actually like look through things. We are a lazy and spoiled generation. It's true. Powell and Hopper seem like they've been working longer together and it mm-hmm. seems like Callahan is the awkward sidekick is what you said, Brittany. No, that was, I, that was Sam. That was me. Oh, I thought you said, I thought you said that they seem like friends and you said awkward Yeah, sidekick. I said that he okay. definitely seems like the friend who like wants to be cool but yeah. isn't. Or yeah. about you? I just said he seems like the awkward sidekick because, oh. like, Ho- Hopper and Callahan seem like they're, like, bros. Yes. Uh, or uh, Hopper and Powell. Yeah, Hopper and Powell seem like bros. And then Callahan is the one who's, like, always cracking jokes that don't land at all. So he, he like... just wants to fit in. So he, like, is, like, so ho- Hopper and Joyce, huh? And then Powell's just like, dude. Yeah. And then when they're at the uh, electrical plant or whatever, he's talking about space lasers and... Ronald Reagan, Star Wars, and oh God, things like me. that. Which, like, he's not wrong. Mm-hmm. They are developing uh, uncouth technologies yeah, he is to actually, spy on the Russians. Yeah, he is actually right about everything that comes out of his mouth. Yeah, but his jokes never land. So it's like Hopper and Powell have uh, a bond and a maturity that Callahan just hasn't gotten to yet. And it's like all three of them go to the lab, but he only brings Powell to the library. Yeah. And 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 it's like, I can't decide if that speaks to Powell or if it speaks to Callahan, because he like needs Powell for this thing, but Callahan clearly gets like put in charge of this other mission yep. type of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So then they figure out some stuff about Terry Ives, which of course doesn't really it- need an introduction introduction you know it like comes up later in the series yeah um and Powell's like eh, I don't know and stuff um do you want to explain he's dead Jim <laughs> <laughs> actually I stole that joke from Sam and I feel bad about it oh, okay wait when did we oh I didn't oh, when, when it's he not was until like, the end yeah. uh so when they pull uh fake Will out of the water I just went he's dead Jim <laughs> which is a multi-layered joke because Hopper's name is Jim and that is a iconic Star Trek uh, meme. Great. Or when anyone dies. Uh, nothing like explaining a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Robin's like, do you want to painfully explain this joke that yeah. most people get? Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, also, we know that the body was planted there uh, in that, yeah. Ugh. I mean, ugh. Imagine your job being to make that fake body, though. Yeah. Uh-uh. I would be like, I don't get paid enough for this. But, like, imagine how convincing it was that everyone thought that, that fully this, thought it was true. This stuffed skin suit is actually Will Byers. I mean, it was mostly the, like, the government or, like, the people from the lab who were, who were, like, handling it, right? I mean, I guess, but I feel like, I don't think that they, that it was the government people or the lab who were handling it in this moment. I think they paid off everyone because they pay off the coroner Mm. in the next episode or whatever. Like, I don't, I think it's supposed to look like his body's been there for a week. Yeah, it's uh, all bloated. And it's all bloated and gross and they pay off the coroner to not do an, autopsy and uh hey fire the corner yeah, so by they the probably way. also paid off dr curdle jr no that's the re- that's the original doctor dr curdle mm-hmm. oh. oh crossover i mean it's the 80s this is a riverdale crossover every time we make a crossover uh, joke i always have to be like also this is from this if you don't yeah know. <laughs> no like i usually do that like yeah. especially if like you go for like a deep reach reference and i'm like okay she's talking about big time rush right now but like <laughs> we have to stop talking about riverdale no we don't <laughs> I don't want to. I'm always like, our listeners don't care. And then I'm like, 
If you're Some a fan of, them of do. uh they may have found this podcast because of your Riverdale podcast. Yeah. So if you're a fan of Riverdale, they like to talk about that show too. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's our podcast and not yours. <laughs> so what and maybe I just don't remember and I'm sure it comes up next episode, but like what is the narrative then? The narrative that is that Will got Will like wandered off and then fell into the quarry or yeah accidentally drowned I think I think it's that he wandered in and fell yeah because he didn't have his bike with him because they found the bike already yes so it's like if I were like if they had gotten away with this I would have spent my life wondering why the hell did he just fall into a quarry yeah but I can't remember do they talk about like are there any do they talk about defensive wounds or anything like that I don't think so because I don't think because the government doesn't want them to be like okay so there's a suspect yeah Yeah. you know they want them to be like no it was just him whoopsie daisy accidental you know yeah the 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 government sort of pays everybody who would have answers in a normal situation like this to not talk to anybody or give any answers Mm -hmm. so it takes a lot of extra work from both hopper and joyce to see that hey this is not the actual kid fire all those people yeah yeah if you're taking bribes at your job um, maybe don't. Unless what your job is already is unethical, and you're subverting it by being ethical. Yeah, uh, I mean, in for a freaking penny. I mean, if you're already a thief and someone's bribing you, just go for it, you know? <laughs> um, so moving on to Joyce. Uh, okay, recap. Joyce goes to buy lots of Christmas lights, because clearly that's how Will is communicating. I hope she has enough outlets. Karen comes <laughs> over to bring her a casserole, hashtag good gal Karen, and Holly wanders off to Will's room. The walls move and almost grab Holly when Joyce saves her and makes them leave. She's led to the crawl space where Will tells her he, he's alive but not safe. She needs more info, so she makes a Ouija board on her wall. It's iconic. Will <laughs> says he's right there with her, but he can't get any more information out before the Demogorgon literally bursts through the wall. Joyce runs into Jonathan on the street and they hug. Hi, I never noticed that she made a Ouija board on the wall. Um, I was also going to make that exact same statement yeah. because I didn't. I have seen the Ouija board game that they have yeah. uh, marketed which since is so this. cool but I don't I don't, I mess, don't with mess with that, with that stuff. stuff like yeah. I've literally seen that in stores multiple times and never put it together that that is essentially what she made yeah. because she's talking to someone in another dimension using just letters and an indicator babe we might not be smart sometimes <laughs> yeah 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 that's okay it's okay Joyce is smart so yeah um, Wait, so, I have a question for okay. everyone really quickly. Yes. Since she made a Ouija board. Yeah. Have you guys ever used a Ouija board? No. I don't mess with that. I have not. Okay, so I'm the only I've, one who has. Oh my I god. I have seen too many horror movies to end up dead like that. Yeah, I'll watch other people do it on YouTube, but oh. if I even see one, I'm walking the other direction because I'm like, I don't mess with that stuff. I know that, like, I feel like using a Ouija board is, like, inviting yourself into into stuff, and I, I, I'm not about that. Please tell the story about when you used a Ouija board, though. Yeah, Brittany. Oh, boy. Okay, listen, when I was a kid, like, we had a Ouija board. I don't know why we had a Ouija board, but I'm gonna have to ask my sister because I have a distinct, like, memory of playing with a Ouija board and thinking, Lindsay, you're the one moving this. Mm. And to this day, I don't know if that memory is real because I often get my memories and my dreams mixed up. Mm-hmm. I'm a really, sta- like, stable person. Who were you trying to talk to? I don't- I think just anyone who was around because I thought our house was haunted. Mm. Um, I was actually, like, really sure of it, too. Like, I'm so sure that house was haunted. Um, especially the basement where I lived. It was haunted down there. Do you remember what it, it unless if Lindsay wasn't moving it, do you remember what they said? It wasn't it wasn't anything bad. It was it was using the yes or no a lot. Oh yeah. But like we also did it in my best friend's basement. 
And I was convinced then that someone else was moving it. Like every time I use a Ouija board, I was like, I don't feel like the spiritual connection. You're like, like I can always like kind of tell. I sound crazy, right? No, you don't sound crazy. Because if I were to ever use one, and I almost wish that I wasn't such a coward, because if I was, I would choose the exact right people so that we both know, like, everyone in the room knows we are all super, super serious about this. We, like, this isn't a joke. We want to see, actually, if someone's moving it. And yeah. I, so I could trust the other people I was with. Exactly. So I would know, no, no, for sure that nobody else is moving it. Exactly. But I'm such a coward, and I and I could never. And, like, every time we used a Ouija board, like, I was like, there's, there's no, like, presence here. Right. Like, I can't feel, like, the interference of any kind of, like, other being. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I'm, okay, this is gonna sound crazy. But... Um, I can always kind of tell when something bad is going to happen in my family. Like I, like my mom says that my, my aunt and I have like this kind of like weird intuition where we, we like dream the bad thing before it happens. And that's like happened a couple times. Like most recently when, um, our family cat died, that was the one night that I just, for some reason, just stayed up the entire night. And then like, I happened to be awake when my mom texted me to say like, Tigger's dying. And so I was like, there's always some weird things. So, like whenever I was using one of the Ouija boards, I was like, there's no ghost here. Because I'd be able to sense it. <laughs> I have a sixth sense. Wow. So yeah. Um, I love learning things about you. I don't mess with Ouija boards because I feel like I have enough problems. I don't need to create one with a demon. Yeah. You know, ha- have you learned your lesson by watching uh, your recent horror movie binge? Oh my God. Yes. I literally watched Ouija, which sucked by the way. Yeah. That, that movie sucked. I don't know how people liked it. Yeah, I have absolutely learned my lesson. I will never touch a wee bitchy board. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Good, good, good. So I think I'm talking about this first scene here in which Joyce is, like, in Will's room and there's lots of lamps around and Jonathan comes in and is just like, Mom, please. It's a lot I, of lamps. I really think that both <laughs> of them are kind of in the right here. I feel like yes. it, from Joyce's perspective, she's like, I know that this is the truth. I know, I know, I know. And I'm trying to you know, obviously I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to get my son back. And Jonathan is out here thinking in his heart that his mom believes something and he's, you know, trying to talk her down because it's unhealthy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, he was doing the right thing because to him, he has no stable parental figure. His brother's gone. Yeah. So all he can do is be the logical one and try and like draw strength from her by calming her down and getting her back into like her wise mind. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work, obviously. Yeah. And in any, in any situation where supernatural things are not happening she would absolutely be showing signs of like desperation and a little bit of like mental instability because of a great loss that she suffered which is a thing that happens in reality all the time yeah do you think that the christmas lights are on sale because it's not christmas yes is it after christmas no it's it's before before christmas Christmas. because in the finale because it's fall then i would not um why are they on sale then? I don't know. It's like not super close to Christmas. Are they on? Are they on sale? No, we're just no. I'm just fun. making up. Oh, around. I don't think they're on sale. Oh, okay. Just because okay. it wouldn't go on sale until after Christmas. Um, so I, I thought that once she put the Christmas lights, the shots of it were really beautiful. Thanks. Agreed. Thank you for that aesthetic. When Karen oh. comes over, um, she makes this excuse about what Lindsay said. Yes, that was her because Lindsay had a Ouija board. <laughs> 
yeah, ask her about, about what it said and stuff. So when Karen comes over, Joyce is, like, making this excuse being like, oh, yes, I'm totally not talking to my son through these lights. Um, they, he just liked, um, Christmas. <laughs> and so I thought that if, um, I had Christmas lights, he would sense the Christmas spirit and come back. And God bless Karen for being like, yeah. Yeah, sure. sure. That's not crazy. Absolutely. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> yep, I, I said, guys, do you guys ever use, a, did you guys ever use a Ouija board? I remember playing with one of you as my sister and I asked Jillian, my, who is my cousin. My sister says, yeah, I had one. I said, why did you have a board? She said, I don't know. It never worked. I said, did you, didn't you fake it? And all she replied was, duh. <laughs> okay, great. So there you go. Perfect. Lindsay is going to be haunted if it's going to be anyone. Yeah. Yeah, actually, Lindsay that Lyons. feels really organic. Yeah. I thought it was funny that Karen said, Ted and I are here for you, but it's just really her because yeah. Ted doesn't do anything. Does Ted even know anything that's going on? Is Ted even aware there's a missing kid at this point? He's like at the table when they're talking about it, but then when she's like, ugh, Ted, he's like, what? Like, he's just, I, I don't know what world Ted lives in. His own. Yeah. You were talking about how you never noticed that Joyce saw something strange before Holly does. Yeah, I liked that I I'm completely missed that all the other times I've watched this episode, but I do like that Joyce notices something odd in the lights before we see Holly follow them down the hall. Yeah. So Joyce is distracted by them, but not enough to get up and leave in the middle of like pretending to be a sane, normal person going through life. Probably just a couple flickering lights that kind of, to her, probably um, tells her that Will is around. Yeah. And that he wants to talk. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think I already talked about this, but I, I asked what makes the Demogorgon go for Holly? Just because she's there and she's my she's small, small. My personal opinion is that it's looking for Will. It's yeah. It's chasing Will in the wrong dimension, though. Well, it's around there because that's where Will is, right? And since it's like the upside down, and that's where like a good portal is, it's probably just well. Like, do kind you of think the, the hard to tell? Okay, here's another question then. Do you think the lights this time were intentionally to lure Oh yeah, was Joyce? it Will? Was, was it Will trying to lure Joyce into that room and talk to her? Or was it the Demogorgon trying to snatch a kid and it lured, it, like, that's why Joyce doesn't get up, is it stops oh. for a second and then it moves to where only Holly can see it. Because in the season finale of this season, you know that the Demogorgon's coming coming because the lights flicker, right? So we yeah. know that the Demogorgon also can make the lights flicker, not necessarily just Will. Yeah, even in this episode, they flicker really bright when the Demogorgon right. comes through the wall. Right. Okay, cool. I mean, I like that theory. I'm ready to just to lock that one down. What other thing was on that um, the lights would flicker really powerfully if a supernatural being was around? What other property is that? <sighs> Not a clue, my guy. Do you guy. know what I mean, though? I mean, it seems like a trope that people use. It's so cute that when they, like, pick up Holly and she's like, did you see something? It's, like, not even scripted, but the little girl, like, knows that she's supposed to have seen something. She goes, yeah. 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 She goes, yeah, yeah I did. She's like, oh, I'm doing good acting right now. Yes. She was she doing does a great she was like, job. Yes. She's like, yes, I did see something. And the fact that she's this, like, little blonde kid just yeah. makes her look w so much like Carol Ann from Poltergeist. Mm -hmm. And then I actually went and looked it up, and at some point, Carol Ann does have a little red overall jumper yeah. thing on. And I was like, oh, okay, so they, they, it's definitely like a little homage there. She's meant to look like her. Yeah. Really. Um, once again, we see Chester the dog. Where is he? Is Chester okay? No. Who was it? Noah or something said like at a con or something that Chester died and that they'll talk about it in season three. I'm sad. Thanks. Don't kill Bob. Um, Will is hiding in the crawl space in the upside down. So, so Will and Joyce are kind of occupying the exact same space right now. That is so cool. Um, which probably makes him flickering the lights probably a little easier for him. He says he's alive, but he's not safe. Um, and then she starts asking questions that aren't yes or no questions. Yeah. And Will's like, I don't know what to do, mom. 
But I love that that's like her asking the yes or no questions that he couldn't respond to was what led her to being like, I need a way more efficient way to communicate with him. Yeah. Like, she's so clever. I never would have thought to do that. Mm -hmm. I would have been like, okay, so let's come up with a flickering system. Um, Do you know Morse code? Yeah. I don't, so maybe I shouldn't ask. Okay, one of our questions was, what is he doing to light the lights? The first, like, Mm -hmm. when I was watching, I assumed that what he was doing was kind of like walking over to them and touching them, um, which also kind of reminds me of, it's another, (laughs) another thing to remind me of et um mm-hmm. is like having like the, the touching it and then having there be a light mm-hmm. um because also it, it takes him a bit to get to each one too yeah. so it's like he's kind of walking over there having to go over top of the couch and everything that's what i always assumed he was i doing. love that i like that more than me thinking he's just standing there going using his mind powers or something mm-hmm. so yeah because yeah. like even when he's back he doesn't exhibit the fact that like he has mind powers or something no. it's like yeah. he has a connection to something supernatural but he himself is not supernatural right yeah okay yeah i like that better um so he says that he's right here so unfortunately there is no communication going on with the kids and joyce or else we'd definitely be able to put this together right um but of course both of us like we can all see it so the audience can put it together but the characters can't speaking of communication between the kids and Joyce would super love for Joyce and Eleven to have some like really quality scenes in season three. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they were so good at the end of season one. Yeah. Yeah. And then we got like nothing because they were both sort of isolated. Yeah. Well, Eleven more so in the second season than... Yeah, this time it was Joyce who got to hang out with the whole crew, and mm-hmm. it was Eleven who didn't. Yeah. This time, the Demogorgon fully just rips through the wall. Could Will come through here? See, that's I what I so. thought. I was like, why can't Will just, like... Because Nancy finds this little, like, tree portal that she can come in and out yeah, of. Like, Nancy can goes... Will find this little portal, and can it come through? Like, I don't know. I also had that question, because I was like, why doesn't Will just follow the Demogorgon out when mm-hmm. we were watching this episode? Yeah. Because Nancy goes back through the one she gets pulled into and Eleven goes back through one at the in this very first episode of season two. Yeah, through the in the school. Yeah. Yeah. So Will, what you doing? Yeah, what you doing, buddy? Hey, can I ask you guys a real quick question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I'm just wondering, have you guys heard of this thing called Patreon? <laughs> no. Oh, have you? I have not. Oh, well let me tell you about it. So there's this thing called Patreon, and it's, like, this service in which you can download, download, donate. (laughs) It's a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Um, The smallest one is $1 a month. That's heckin' not a problem. Hello, $1? That ain't nothing, but it's everything to us. So if we are um, some of your favorite uh, creators, then we would love if you would go to uh, uh, patreon.com slash theaficionados and uh, donate to us monthly. Um, Thank you. It's very expensive to um, run so many podcasts. We have five now. So, yeah. That sounds very neat, Robin. And thank you to everyone who already sponsors us because you have no idea, like, sorry, I interrupted myself because my cat is sitting still and still managed to trip, and I have questions. (laughs) (laughs) He's embarrassed now. Donate your spare change to the aficionados for bloopers on Brittany's cat. (laughs) He's truly a gem. Another cool thing that you get um, if you donate to our Patreon is that you get um, early access to all of our podcasts, especially this one, because I, we usually do this one in advance. So yeah. sometimes you can get this one like a week in advance because it's just done and it's ready to, uh, it's just waiting for its release date. So if you're interested in that, check that out, please. Thanks. All right. So here's my recap for the kids storyline. 
The kids decide to meet Eleven after school to find Will. Mike gives her his watch. She has the data herself in an empty house, so she does some exploring and has some troubling flashbacks, including being unable to kill a cat and murdering two people instead. So proud. When she meets the boys, Mike lies about Troy bullying him, but Eleven knows. Friends don't lie. She leads them to Will's house, saying he's hiding there. That makes no sense to them. They see police cars driving by, so they follow them to the quarry where they see Will's body. Mike yells at Eleven and he runs home to his family. That's what happens. You know what I was literally thinking as you were saying that? Yeah. If I were Eleven, I would so much rather kill those people than the cat. Yeah. Because the cat's innocent, hasn't done anything. Yeah. Those t- those guards have helped keep a kid in prison. Mm-hmm. Clearly have no morals. Yeah. Exactly. Pro- not innocent people. They're mm-hmm. literally contributing to her abuse. So. I mean, I mean like, listen, they're logical people and they didn't deserve to die because, like, maybe they took the job because they needed the money and they need to support people. But in my universe where things are very black and white, mm-hmm. the kitty lives. I mean, Evil people. Yeah. yeah. I do support um, media where women take down their abusers mm. with the tools that the abusers gave gave them. Ooh, uh, I like that. Or forced them to have. Yeah, because Eleven has been forced into this life and these powers and been very abused. So I think they uh, got what was coming to them. My favorite... He had it coming. My favorite <laughs> obvious example of a similar circumstance. trope and mm. circumstance in Return of the Jedi, uh, Star Wars the third film... Uh, if no one knows that. Um, I told you to say it was the third film. Return of the Jedi is the it's third episode film. It's sex. Yeah, but it's the third one that but was it's released. The third film. I just wanted to flex. Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> anyway, uh, is when Leia is captured by <gasps> Jabba the Hutt. Yes. And then during the escape scene and rescue from Luke and the others, she strangles Jabba the Hutt with the chain that he had locked her up with. Mm. So I think it's very cool that Eleven uses her powers to escape these people who have been oppressing her with them. I love Yay! It. They're talking about the slingshot that Lucas brought. Um, the Demogorgon does, in fact, get hit with the slingshot at some point. I don't know if it, like, does much, but um, it definitely <laughs> gets hit by it. Lucas was it's a- valid! First of all, Robin, it's a wrist rocket. You're right. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I love Lucas's contribution to this is actually, like, He's the one who's like, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this dangerous thing. Hey, maybe we should go armed. And everyone else is like, that's ridiculous. I'm bringing snacks. And I'm like, Dustin, listen, I love you. But the slingshot's more useful than the snacks. Totally. Both but are important. Really, yeah, what I loved <laughs> about it was that they're using their D&D knowledge to bring this in. Because, yep. mm-hmm. because Dustin even says, and I don't remember his exact verbiage, but he says something like, we need this for energy or like we need this, you know, and in game, in those sort of games, I believe that like you, sometimes you have to like get yep. more energy to do things. Right? Yeah, like so you need HP, HP points. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Oh, they're trying to like command Eleven to do things, which is kind of gross because we see her flashbacks in which people are trying to command her to do things and mm-hmm. She's and, not a toy. And, she's and not a dog. There you Mike go. says she's not a dog. I absolutely love this moment in which Karen is like, Mike, and Mike literally just is like talking really softly to Eleven and then complete energy change when his mom starts yelling at him and he just screams up the stairs. <laughs> that is so relatable. That's I know damn acting. I have lived that life. Yeah. And I know it. So I loved that. Yeah, they ask her to hover the Millennium Falcon and she eventually does. Yeah, which is great. Oh, Yes. Hey. But not when they're watching. Her hovering the Millennium Falcon, is that not Luke and Yoda on Dagobah when Yoda wants him to pull the X-Wing out of the swamp? Babe. What? I made this exact reference on the last pod. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Because, no, no, it's okay. I, I... Love that. Uh, we both noticed the same thing at different times because- No, it's that you put it in my brain and no. I thought it was an original thought. No, you noticed it also because I pointed it out because 
he pointed to Yoda. Mm-hmm. And the Yoda ends up having like connections to Will and also Eleven, sort of. And then I didn't remember which episode the actual hovering Millennium Falcon was in. But it was this one. I also love that you pointed out that she's doing it now, but with, when they're not around, you know? Yeah. So it's like, Dustin is like, do this thing, do this thing, do this thing. And people are always saying to her, do this thing, do this thing, do this thing. And she's like, I can do it. And she like proves to herself that she can do it, but she's like, but I don't care if you can see it or not. Yeah. You know? I like she, cool. I do like that she kind of likes her own powers when she's alone mm-hmm. and like she can play with them in a safe way. And her, and her, her, um, 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 her nose never bleeds when she does it on her own accord. Oh, interesting. So far. I, I don't quote me on that. Yeah. When she's not being forced or like pressured in a high demand situation. Yeah. It's just for her own fun and enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, Eleven watches TV, and we know that in season two she spent a lot of the, like, year that she was by herself watching TV, so... Same. She has a lot to catch up on, so I get it. She sees a Coca-Cola commercial, and we get brought back to that whole thing. Uh, yes, we brought up that Karen has some bold wallpaper choices. Yes, she does! It's just every room is different and more alarming than the last. So, great. Karen, (laughs) what are you doing? She... Hmm. Goes into Nancy's room, and Nancy has these pictures with Barb and everything, so it's like... It hurts extra more. And you're... Extra more. Extra more. (laughs) Um, But, like, it's clear that she really was friends with Barb. Like, I feel like in those first two episodes, you're like, okay, I get that they're, like, they talk, but, like, I don't know if they're, like, best friends, you know? They don't... Nancy doesn't necessarily treat Barb like her best friend, Um, even though we see her on the phone talking to her and everything. But, like, after you see the pictures, she has, like, multiple pictures of her and Barb, then you know that, like, really they are really good friends. Like, Barb was the friend that would come with the Wheelers on family vacation, I'm assuming, and things like that. That's yeah, so. awesome. Mm-hmm. Cause like you know you all had you all had that one best friend who you could get to take on your trip. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When we went to um LeakyCon in Chicago in twenty twelve, my best friend Steph got to come with us and it was the best. Yeah, I just had a sister, so I had a sister too. Yeah, I was I was stuck with her for a lot of things. I also had a sister, so I didn't get to bring anybody frequently, but I occasionally got to be the friend that went with other people's families. <laughs> So, as they are being bullied, Troy says that his dad says that Will is dead. And Troy, I'm like- your dad sucks. Yeah, it sounds like your dad sucks and also doesn't really deserve to have an opinion. Yeah. And also, like, why would you talk about that around your kid? Yeah, who who is the classmate of- Yeah. Yeah. You're like, hey, I think your classmate's dead. Cool. Trauma's a neat thing to give <laughs> your kids at a young age. Yeah. I think- and we never really see his dad. I do believe we see his mom at some point, but I don't think we ever see Troy's dad. And it's like, it makes kind of- Makes sense that he's a bully if this is the things that your dad talks mm-hmm. about in yeah. front of you. Okay, so this is a conversation that we had. Uh, they keep using the word queer as an insult, and we would like it to be positively normalized. Yeah, I. this happened in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Joyce talks about uh, Lonnie saying, and people, is it Lonnie that she's just says? Yeah. Yeah. She talks about Lonnie thinking that Will is queer. And then in this episode... And they use, like, the real slur as well. Yeah. And in this episode, the Troyan... What's his name? Troyan the other one. Bobbin. (laughs) Oh my god. uh, (laughs) Get real. Let me see if we actually know, because I feel like I never... Stop it. (laughs) I was like, there's no way she didn't hear that. I did. Okay, anyway, so the bullies also then uh, say that Will was probably killed by some other queer. um, Uh, Sorry, the kid's name is James. Ah, Troy and James. Troy and James. And that's just really, really homophobic. Um, so I feel- Which is, like, the point, of course. Yeah, it's- it, that's the point. But I would like to- I don't- 
think there's really an excuse to like it obviously immediately lets the audience know that they're bullies which you can do in a variety of ways though mm -hmm. so I don't think that it's necessary that you do it in a homophobic way unless you are going to deliver on the storyline of Will actually being queer and then normalize his queerness in a positive way within his friend group and his home life yeah because because mm -hmm. otherwise it's just lazy otherwise yeah. it's lazy and homophobic because yeah. it's like so they the argument of course is like yeah people talked that way back then and it's like well yeah they talk that way now but like if you're talking about that way then and you're someone who's creating a fictional universe you can either decide in your fictional universe not to use that and to be like a more elevated writer or to use that to tell a story about a queer person yeah. but if you think that you can just get like casually get away with using slurs and not have a message behind it like bite me and that's because that's really harmful to people who are watching this show we can tell that that is immediately supposed to make them bullies but bullies who are watching this show is are gonna be like oh i can bully gay people yeah exactly because oh. like that's that's the kind of messaging that we got in the 90s it was like you're queer and like that's where like saying like gay became like something that was like a, it became a negative connotation yeah. i mean we've taken it back since then but like the normalization of using words in a negative manner was what led to a lot of like you know outwardly emphasized homophobia mm -hmm. so like obviously this is just one small instance in one small show but like microaggressions lead to macroaggressions mm -hmm. so like this show has to be more responsible than that it has to know its audience and its audience is like us mm -hmm. yeah one of the things that we were trying to figure out is whether the cat that Eleven sees is Muse because we went and looked in season two and Muse is an orange cat just like this one um we know that Lucas's house is closer to Mike's house than Dustin's house is so this might be a really far way for Muse to go but it's interesting that they chose the same type of cat for both of those things I'm gonna choose to believe because nothing tells me otherwise mm. that this is Muse R.I.P. rest in peace yeah I think it's Muse too great so then she has her flashback about the cat they're like training her to be ruthless basically i guess mm -hmm. yeah they're like this cat is cute murder please i feel like it's basically can you kill this cat with your mind which would give us a tool to kill russians exactly mm. it's it's like practicing on a mouse yeah right she bleeds from her ears after she kills those people. We don't see that very often, but no. when we do, it's because it's because of something because she's going hard. Yeah. <laughs> Mike lies to Eleven about how he hurt his chin, but Elle knows because she's also a very intuitive person and she can really and she can probably just tell. Yeah. Um she learns what mouth breather means, which comes up a lot, uh, because it's one of the only insults she knows, probably. Yeah. Oh, and Brittany, you were saying, of course Mike would like a girl with superpowers. Because that's the coolest thing yeah. ever. He grows up reading comics. And then of a course. girl with superpowers literally walks into mm -hmm. him. Like, it makes perfect sense that, like, this, like, teenage boy is like, holy crap. There's a girl, and she has powers. This is a Jedi. Yeah. And I love her. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, as much as it's like, okay, we're, we're tired of, like, the weird kid romance, like, it makes perfect sense why he would fall for her. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Elle tells them that Will is at his own house. Which is true, but they don't understand that. But Lucas is very realistic. He's about about it. He's like, we should have gone to the police in the first place. Yep. We should have done this. I'm like, I remember watching the first time and I fully wasn't on Lucas's side because I was like, let her do stuff. She's cool. But now, like rewatching it, I'm like, 
This man knows what's up. Yeah, he's yeah. like, hey, um, I am a lawful neutral. I think we should follow the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then after they see the body and they find, or they, they believe that it's Will, um, Mike, of course, is mad at Eleven because she, like, lied and told them that Will was alive, but she didn't lie and it's a whole thing. Yeah, I feel like Eleven and Joyce are both being set up here to look like they're both crazy or they're both lying. Mm-hmm. But as the audience, we know that they're not lying, but everyone sort of hates them for... Jonathan gets mad at Joyce for clinging to that reality and not just accepting what seems to be the truth. And then Mike gets mad at Eleven for giving them false hope. Yeah. And I love that kind of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love when someone knows the truth about a supernatural thing and no one else does. Everyone thinks they're crazy, but we know what they're not. So like, we're all on like the secret together. I'm like, I love that kind of storytelling. If I was Joyce... And then they get proven right. And it's like, ha! Yeah, it's like vindication. You're like, yeah, you didn't believe in ghosts, you idiot. If I was Joyce, I would be like, you know, of course I want to believe that it's, it it is my son. And us watching the, the show... We're thinking, of course, it's a supernatural thing. We already know that. So, of course, it is her son. But if I was, like, actually Joyce, and I'd be like, well, a lot of things are happening with my phone. Things are happening with the lights. That's crazy. I don't think I would actually be like, this is my actual son. Something crazy is happening until I get in that crawl space and Mm -hmm. the yes and the no is happening. Yeah. Because that's the moment where I, if I were actually in that situation, I'd be like, okay, this is real. Yeah. I think that's what convinces her as well. Like, She's got a hunch yeah. right now, but that's when she's like, my son is here. Like, yeah, here's my hard it. evidence that I was looking for. Yeah. 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 When Mike gets home, he's, like, not supposed to be out. Like, his mom literally <laughs> made that rule, um, and she's like, oh, hey. <laughs> I mean, I know something terrible's happening or whatever, and he's, like, crying their thing, but I'd be like, be like weren't you um, worried about him before? Because you told him he wasn't well, allowed to leave. M- did she tell him he wasn't allowed to leave at all, or did he... No, she said he'd have to, like, come back immediately after school. Oh. But I mean, like, the reality... So did she of... assume he was home? Yeah, or... And the reality of having kids is sometimes when there's one going on... Something going on with one, the other sometimes just kind of slips through the cracks. Yeah. And she's got a daughter who's showing up at home late. Like, mm-hmm. there's just... There's a lot going on for Karen. Especially when she doesn't have a husband that helps her at all. Exactly. Like, I can absolutely see how this would happen to her. Yeah. Fair. Um, Sam, you were saying how much you appreciate, um, the boys crying i really liked how that was done yeah because they don't immediately like break down sobbing yeah uh in like an over theatrical way uh and they don't uh they sort of just immediately start crying because this is a situation that they can't completely comprehend because they were just so close to believing that their friend is alive and fine and they were gonna find him and then they get this news that appears to be the complete opposite they're sort of confused and overwhelmed so it makes perfect sense for them to just start crying and still be trying to to talk and like have conversations with each other in a completely natural way where the the tears are just coming uh Mm -hmm. of their own volition and they're kids yeah yeah so like this stuff's not supposed to be happening to kids yeah do you guys have any last thoughts about the episode just that this is a really good episode it was uh, it's bookended perfectly with Barb actually dying and then fake Will dying and yeah. then the use of the music and the use of the hugs uh, between Mike and Karen and Jonathan Joyce. and yeah. Joyce uh, are doing really well. Uh, it's, just a, it's just a good episode. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, now it's time for segments. Uh, my segment is called Good Guy Steve Alert and I have three different things for Good Guy Steve Alert. Thank you. So the first thing that Steve does, um, and I think I brought up two of these already in the, in the podcast, <laughs> 
But um, the first one is that he makes sure Nancy feels secure and good after sleeping with him, which is good guy Steve. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you. Good guy Steve alert. He tells Tommy to, Tommy to stop being a jerk and stops Tommy from hurting Jonathan. Thank you. Good guy Steve. Good guy Steve. Good guy Steve alert. He gives Carol his meatloaf. <laughs> he literally, like, in the last shot, he picks up his meatloaf and, tr- and gives it to Carol. That's nice. I like it. Thanks. I like that, like, for Steve, it's, like, really the bare minimum. And I think there's, like, a later point in which he tries to give Tommy food. Oh, really? At lunch. Yeah, like, he's just, like, he, he keeps trying to give them... He's the mom friend. Joe Curie's like, I don't want to eat on screen. <laughs> he's the mom friend. Yeah. He really is. And we see, you see the, the like, little granules of that yeah. in the first season, but it really comes to fruition in the second season. Mm-hmm. Okay, best line award. So my best line award goes to Mike for... Michael! Coming! And my best line award goes to Marissa, the librarian, for... You could have at least called, said, Marissa, hey, it's not going to work out. Sorry I wasted your time. I'm a dick. Yeah. (laughs) I love her. True poetry. And mine... What's his name? Powell. Powell. Mine goes to Powell for... The librarian. I don't know why, but, like, that's so funny to me. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, why not a librarian? Their their brains are full of really interesting information. Hopper's like, I, this is a small town. I probably slept with uh, many of the women here. I yeah. feel like that's kind of also the point. And Powell's just like, who I'm haven't you slept yeah. with? <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you feel so inclined, write us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey. It's just uh, perpetually open. It's in the description of the podcast. And um, you can just say some of the things that you like about the podcast, some of the things that you don't like, some things that we could work on. Um, yeah, we'd appreciate that. Thank you. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too, because we did bring that up earlier. Yeah. We also talk about the Shilling Adventures of Sabrina on that same feed, so... Get into it. Two for one. Yeah, I thought that I thought combining those would be good. <laughs> um, if you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show too. We did uh, season four, season five, and we will be doing season six uh, coming up in April. So we are very excited about that. That's my favorite one. Check it out. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and if you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. We covered season one. We're in the middle of season two, and there's a round table coming soon. Yeah. Slash might be out. Might no? be. Might be. Uh, probably will be, actually. It'll probably be out. Mayhaps. Go <laughs> check it out. That's my favorite one. Check it out. Thank you. Uh, you can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube. Mostly Twitter, though, but I do work really hard on our Tumblr, so mm-hmm. please go follow us. It's true, she does. Robin has a great series of GIF sets for the entire Favorite Line Award series, so go check that out and reblog them, and maybe you'll see one of your favorite lines. <laughs> and sorry that she said GIF sets. Sorry. GIF set for the Wrong people. Oh, oh wow. Fight with you. Okay. <laughs> Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it. Yeah, it's please expensive. Co- yeah, please consider donating. It's really expensive. You don't have to, but like, if you want to, that's nice. Yeah, with yeah. all of our podcast fees, I think just our... Uh, SoundCloud stuff is five hundred is like five hundred dollars a year. <laughs> so that's so many money. Yeah, we need you, please. <laughs> we live in downtown Vancouver, and it's expensive just to live here. Thank you. Please give us your money. Thanks. Please, God. Thank you. <laughs> what the hell was that? That uh, was our best Michael Scott. Did you not? Oh yay! Uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Thank you so much for joining us again, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. You're an angel, find you. Hey guys, when I live here, are you going to have me on all the time? Literally, yeah. Yeah, we'll probably have Great. to like, like fold you in. Make me a picture auto. Yeah, yeah, we'll be like, now that Sam is here, she's also. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the podcast. It's us now. <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, you can find me online uh, at on Twitter at SamKCC, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-C. And you can find all of my articles, uh, including coverage about The 100 and other television shows at telltelltv.com slash author slash Samantha Coley. Is that Samantha Coley with an underscore in the middle or what? Uh, there is a dash, dash. Uh, between my name. Great. Um, our next episode is episode 104, which is called The Body. Wow. wonder what that's about. Yeah. It's probably about that body they found, guys. Maybe. Oh, man. Hmm. Probably. Okay. Okay, love you. Bye. <laughs> okay, love you. Bye. <laughs>